In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Nicole Bigley, and you are listening to a listener series on A Psychic Story. everyone. If this is your first episode of A Psychic Story, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. This is the fourth listener episode of the podcast where we share the stories you submitted, whether it's via the form on a psychicstory.com forward slash story dash submission email or the 1-800 number, which is 1-800-880-1881. Reminder that if you live in another country and the 1-800 number isn't an option for you, you can record the audio on your phone and send it through to contact at a psychicstory.com. That's two S's in between. I also ask listeners who are submitting stories to please not record while you're driving in the car. It's just, you know, not safe. And also the audio isn't always the best and we often can't use it. So if you're going to take the time to record, just make sure that you're doing so in a safe place. And that way we can make sure that we share your story because you took the time to do it. That said, let's jump in. Hi, Scott. What's going on in your world? Hi, Nicole. Good to be back. And, uh, up and ready to go through some more listener stories. They're one of my favorite things to do. As you mentioned once, it's sort of like, you know, when one comes in, you just have to read it. Like, what's going on with this? It's like at midnight or something. You're like, oh, something came in. But otherwise, yes, last month was a big month for me. I had a big birthday. It was a milestone, 65. I know, I know. You you didn't think I was that old. But I feel... 45. Thought you were in your 20s. <laughs> Some people say that I act much younger than my age, but, uh, but I feel like I'm 45. I, I don't know why. I have this big, I have a lot of friends. Uh, I've got six friends we've met in kindergarten 60 years ago, and we've kept in touch and we meet, get, get together every summer. And a lot of them talk about, well, getting retired, you know, retirement age, start to slow down. And it, it, my immediate reaction is that's unacceptable. <laughs> and a strange thing, whether it's good or bad, at my birthday is a clock that starts ticking. So to me, I have 10 years, 10 good solid years of productive life. Not that I'm going to die. Not that I'm going to die at the end, but just I have 10, you know, 65 to 75 years. And we all have all the experiences, all things we've learned about life, we can now apply. And for those of us who don't need to have a full-time job, you can apply that to something to really give it back, to do whatever you want uh, to help, you know, so that, and for some reason I have those 10 years. So if I make it that long here at a psychic story and then I'm not, you, you don't fire me 
consider I'm, te- I'm submitting my reg- resignation right now. Ah, I don't like this. All right, we're going to end the episode right now. Okay. All right. Well, first of all, June 2033. Yeah, I know. I still don't like thinking about it. All right. So, well, happy birthday, belated and otherwise. I know I said it to you before, but... Yes, I do. Before we kind of dive in here, I would love a little bit of your wisdom. So you mentioned you're in your 60s. I'm in my 40s. That's about 20 year difference. And they usually say as you progress, you get older, your 20s are a certain thing, your 30s are a certain way. And there's experiences that you have. For me, my 40s have been extremely enlightening in a lot of ways, not just spiritually, but I feel as if I'm more comfortable with my life and financially, but also spiritually, emotionally secure, all of those things. But also it's a little bit more mundane where I'm starting to think about bigger ways to push the envelope and directions I'm going. So for you, when you headed into retirement and with your birthday, are there any sort of reflections and things and words of wisdom that you would want to share with the listeners, especially as it relates to their spiritual journey and growth? Yeah, actually, and I, I submitted some uh, some articles about this, about thinking about it, because I do a lot of thinking, obviously. Maybe some people say too much, but... Well, maybe we can include them in the show notes, too. <laughs> Yes. For people to read them. So the first year that I left my full-time job, which was about a year and a half ago, it took me a while to kind of get in the groove because I was, you know, so I'm a baby boomer, right? We we sold our soul for money <laughs> and, and, you know, getting the life, getting the next job, getting the mortgage, getting the house, getting the, you know, blah, 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 giving everything to the kids. I wouldn't say you sold your soul. That's what was society programmed you to do. They said that that was all you had as an option, just given how you were raised but yes right so like my one my youngest son said he was about to quit his job his first job out of college i'm like you know you just don't do that without having something in line he goes well have you ever you know been in a job you didn't like i go yeah maybe a thousand of them (laughs) you know situations that you don't like but you stay because you got the commitment but anyway uh after leaving all that it took a while for me to kind of readjust to to reevaluate things you know things that i thought were hobbies and useless because they weren't productive and make money well no because they're important to me now i can do them now looking uh you know to, to give back you know what can i do to give back before it wasn't that you know spend most of my time and energy at my job so now a lot of things kind of move to the forefront that were never on the radar before and so you know being getting involved with the, the podcast and the book is like perfect my wife says it's kind of the tom brady thing because working in between school which i've always done but in school and this and some other things i'm kind of working like most of the day and she was it was her idea of retirement that's a little bit different so you're not really retired no i'm just doing different things or as i said to my son i'm busy doing whatever i want whenever i want but But you have the freedom to do it yes right i think that's a huge differentiator yeah so you learn about yourselves and what's important we all need challenges we all need to learn things and the big thing big predictor in health in older years is uh, social connections and also spiritual connections to grow and keep your mind active and relationships rich and thriving so you have to work at that no one's telling me what to do i don't have to do it but that's the one another 
part, another lesson learned is that you have to be much more self-assertive and being a true self-starter in, in these times to grow. And I'm finally getting that. And so it's taken about a year, year and a half for me to get to there. But that's what I would suggest everyone planning it, planning retirement years. You know, it's not going to, you're not going to go on the trips to Europe and trips to Australia. Yeah. All right, fine. That, that'll take a month to accomplish those dreams. Like what about the next 30 years of your life? What are you going to do? So we get a chance to do that. Yeah. It's a sense of accomplishment. However, you define accomplishment or deem it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can be taking naps. You could be traveling. You could be doing all kinds of things. You could be connecting with your community and spirituality. Yeah, I'm Gen X. So I'm kind of, I had to look it up, honestly, because I always forget. But I mean, you'd think I would know this being in marketing and PR, but I'm kind of sandwiched in. I'm that middle child that no one really thinks about with when you're looking at the demographics and the age. But ultimately, I agree with you on all of that as far as the importance of community and spirituality, no matter what it's important for you as you progress within that aspect of yourself. All right. Well, I don't have anything really exciting to share other than I've been traveling a lot for my full-time job and I'm excited to finally get everything out. This is the month for our book. So, you know, not want to hit everybody over the head with it, but we have a lot going on there. And let's talk about this round of stories. I call them intense interactions. I know you called them dramatic interventions, but I feel like intense interactions is probably a little bit, you know, more apropos to what we're talking about here. And it's all about the D and drama or rather those intense experiences with the divine and spirit world. So Scott, why don't you start us off? Sure. And yeah, and that is the theme in this. A little more, not just subtle messages here in these. And the first one uh, is from a Branson M. in West Virginia, where he grew up in a haunted house where seeing and hearing ghosts was not the most surprising thing he saw. Hello, Nicole. My name is Branson. I am from West Virginia. I'm a huge fan of your show, and I just want to say first off that I really appreciate you and your platform and everything that you're doing definitely helping a lot of people. So I want to share my story about how I have an angel that I've been seeing since I was a, a child. It started out as um, growing up in a, I grew up in a haunted house. So I was really scared of everything as a kid. I would see things and feel things. I was pretty sensitive. And so there was some tragedy that happened in the house before my family moved in. It was a suicide and some drugs, alcohol involved. So it's just really, it's a sad story. And so growing up, I wouldn't ever sleep in my own bed because I would hear chatter beside my head and distinct like arguments between two voices that I that clearly wasn't there there was nothing physically nobody there physically that could be arguing at the time so I would hear stuff I would see shadow people running through the hallways I could just I mostly felt things more than anything I could I could feel somebody always there looming over me or just over like on my back I could just always feel things and so, as you can imagine, I slept with my grandmother a lot of times because I was so scared to sleep in my own bed. So after a while, I, w- I would start praying, like, God, I don't want to be so scared of anything anymore. I would always pray as a kid. And so after a while, I had started to see these, this being, and I didn't understand what I was seeing at the time. I didn't understand, you know, I didn't understand what angels could look like. I always thought they would be huge winged beings or whatever, but I actually saw these eyeballs that were floating and they were spinning really fast in circles. Um, I don't, I didn't know how to describe them as a kid, so I would tell my grandma, there's these floating tornado eyeballs that's everywhere that I, I see them everywhere when I'm trying to go to sleep. 
and I really didn't know how to how else to describe them. And I would just tell her every night there's these eyeballs in my room and they're spinning really fast, you know. And so she took me to the doctor, and the doctor told her that my eyes were fine. Maybe it's just my imagination. And so I stopped telling her that I saw them, but I still see this being to this day. And so now that I'm a little bit older and I'm on my spiritual path, I spoke to a few mediums and they all say that it's this type of angel. It's called a seraphim angel, I think is what they told me. But, you know, I have never heard this angel speak. I've never, you know, I've never communicated with him, but he's always there. And now that I meditate, his image is a little bit more clear to me. And it's almost like there's these eyeballs on, on a spinning circle that are interlocked with each other. It's different. It's so hard to describe. If you just look up the angel, a seraphim angel, it looks just like that. They have many eyes. I feel very protected now that I know what he is and I'm, and I'm leaning into his energy. I, you know, I, I feel more protected. I would love to hear him communicate and I'd love to hear your input if you know any more information about these types of angels. But that's my story and I hope that it helps somebody not feel as crazy as I did. How? As soon as he said the eyeballs, I said to myself, seraphim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have you seen them? Have you seen the images? I mean, obviously with the book, when you were writing it before you contacted me, <laughs> you you saw them. and Well, in reading about, you know, certainly doing the research and looking into the Judeo-Christian texts, the cherubim and seraphim are different from, you know, quote unquote, regular angels or others from from the biblical texts. They're different. Uh, some of the some theologians say they're different from angels because they they're not here to give us messages. They're here for protection. They were the angels set at the Garden of Eden um, when quote when Adam and Eve were cast out. At least from the biblical text perspective, that's that interpretation of them that they were slightly different. But at the same time, the you know the multiple. Uh, eyes, the faces, the, the animal parts, you know, for limbs and multiple wings. Um, it's an incredible uh, vision uh, that is depicted in those texts. Do you have other perspectives on that from your experience? To be completely honest, I had never had any experiences with cherubim or seraphim in the bulk of my life. Up until the last few years when, you know, before you reached out with the book, there were people that would experience them and also energetically I would sense or feel them kind of around. And then I would do some research and I looked them up and they are very frightening. And I don't mean that to say like from a fear perspective, but they're not the typical angel wings, halo, everything else. And so for people that are listening for the first time, if you're tuning into the episode and you're like, what the hell, what's going on? is that archangels tend to be that angelic or celestial being presence that is going to, as Scott mentioned, connect us a little bit more with God's source and universal energy to provide our messages or send our messages back and forth. It's really a bridge to heaven is what I think of them as. They tend to, it's the, if you think about it in high school or middle school, when you pass notes, that's what our angels, their archangels do to, you know, pass that along. Um, the seraphim and cherubim have different types of roles and responsibilities when it comes to the angelic and the universal realms. And what that tends to do also is energetically the way our human brains 
think about them and how they look is very different than, again, with the Bible or what we imagine them to be. And so I say all that because I don't think that we're meant to necessarily see them or understand it at that level. For the person who submitted this, thank you very much for sharing, because I also think that it's one of those where when people are afraid or they're like, what am I looking at? They tend to categorize these angelic beings into other areas or categories that we wouldn't necessarily think that they should be. Demons, that sort of thing. They're not. They have this higher sense of vibration and energy and frequency that catapult us and connect us. And so... I just find it fascinating. I don't think that they tend to have a role as much in our human world and in our spiritual world as what we normally think that they do, which is probably why we struggle sometimes or grapple with, okay, well, if they're showing up, what does that mean? And for him in particular, I think that this means that he just has a higher sense of purpose to be able to understand and connect with them and what that means in his life. It probably means that he has a higher light being energy worker, light worker uh, that should be going down in that direction as far as understanding them a little bit more deeply. Yeah, I mean, and it's always, it's tough for anyone to see something that is unusual or unworldly. And we always try to make connections with what we're seeing to what we know of. And actually he said it, it's indescribable for him to explain exactly what he saw. And that's why he put the spinning eyeballs because that's the only thing. I can see it as he's describing it. Like literally in my mind's eye, I can see it. And as soon as he said eyeballs and I could see it, I was like, that's exactly what it is. It's seraphim. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I do think, I know we talk about it or you write about it in the book. We probably should maybe have an episode or another conversation in more detail. I should say another because we haven't really talked about it in detail. We should have a conversation on the podcast about cherubim and seraphim. And if people are interested, like what it means. Only because, again, from my perspective, they don't tend to interact with us human beings as much as the archangels or ascended masters do. But could be interesting. I would be interested in finding out more and learning more about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So in this next story, we hear again from Jenny. Jenny shared her incredible story of interacting with an angel in our very first listener story episode. So if you missed it, please go back and listen to that. However, this time she is in another predicament. Hi, Nicole and Scott. This is Jenny. And I just wanted to leave you this other angel story um, because it's a good one. Okay. I have a lot of them, so I'm like, which one? Okay, anyway, so I was in college at University of Arizona, and um, the big rival game was University of Arizona was playing Arizona State University. And so we have a house, and I've got some friends, and we meet these guys from ASU, and they're actually a couple of the football players, so they're, like, huge. Anyway, we ran out of beer. After 2 a.m., I'm the sober one, and they're like, oh, my God, we ran out of beer. We can't go buy any more Coors Light or whatever. So, and then I remembered that we had had a 12 pack at my, this other girl's house. And so I go, I'll go because I'm the one that's not drinking and I'll go get it. And the football guy goes, Hey, I'll go with you. I'll go over there. You know, so I'm like, okay. We drive over to the house. We pick up the 12 pack and then we're in the car after we had it, 12 pack. And he starts getting on me. And this guy is huge, like six, two and like, I don't even know how many pounds, but huge. And he starts basically to try to like sexually assault me. So I decide I'm going to do something like a kind of a paradoxical intervention is what we call it in therapy, where you do something that doesn't seem like it goes in line with what you, the results are that you want. I, he's in the passenger seat and I'm like, I've got to get clever. He takes 
my key. He throws it out the sunroof, and I've got a 325i, which is like a sedan, and so that I was, wasn't able to get out of the car. And he locked the doors. And I was like, I am literally screwed here. I had to figure something out, else out, like be clever about this. So I said, okay, sit back. And I decide I'm going to tell him that I'm going to go over on his side of the car and kind of get on, you know, top of him and, you know, get down or whatever. And I had no intention of that. And I don't know how this happened, but I wanted to get out and get my keys and get out of there. I start to go over and put my left leg over on the passenger seat. And instead of doing that, I shoot out the sunroof and there's a force that carries me. And I, I, I cannot believe there's no way that I had the agility or I don't even know who could do this. But basically, jump out of the sunroof. I didn't even touch the car after jumping out. I land on my feet, both my feet. And I'm like, I was just kind of like, how did that happen? It was like Wonder Woman. And I felt something push me and, and get me out. He is like going, what? And he gets out to his side of the car and comes over. I go to the ground, grab my keys. He comes over. I have my, the keys in my hand and I put them between my knuckles and punch him in the nose and I broke his nose. <laughs> and he was bleeding all over and I get in the car and I start to leave and I smile at him like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't do that because I have help on the other side. And as I'm driving away, he's holding his nose. He's like, you broke my nose. And then I'm driving away and he goes, I effing love you. I love you. Anyway, it was funny. I had this like euphoria for like the whole night. I couldn't believe it happened or who saved me or what happened. I know it was an angel or a guy or something because the way that I didn't even touch the car jumping out of the sunroof. But anywho, I just thought I would leave that because um, I wanted to share it with you. And I never get to talk like with these about these things with people. Okay. I hope you guys are doing well. Thank you so much for all of your work. Bye. I mean, we were kind of like chuckling, but at the same time, not. I was imagining her like in those scenes of the superhero movies where they come in and then, you know, when they land and then they do this like a dramatic landing in the movie. That was that. But also I was getting the intuitive message of it's almost when you are in a moment of survival and you want to, you're just fighting for your life. And also given, again, if you listen to her first episode where she shared her other story, she'd had had, I'd imagine other experiences, either spiritually or emotionally and through other trauma that she's fighting for her life. And we just tend to have superhuman strength and powers. So whether that was supernatural quote unquote for our own or it's also support from the other side however that is like our will to live and survive is going to kick in yeah well I mean Jenny you you have a much more colorful life than I do <laughs> you're involved in these situations that it's just incredible but you know maybe for a purpose maybe because uh, you're able to call on on help from the other side, as you said, to get into these situations, uh, to get them out, you know, to get out of them as well. But certainly you're open to that. And I think both in both of your stories, uh, you're open for divine intervention. And I think that is one thing that you shouldn't ha have to worry about because you're going to be, it just seems that you're connected. Yes. And I couldn't tell if this happened after or before she was had that experience in Hawaii. Like she didn't really distinguish it or define that part. But it shows that one, also, if you're going to have multiple interactions that help you survive, 
you have a bigger purpose. I want to say like we all don't have purpose, but we have this bigger purpose. And so either if it happened before, that should be an indication of the foretelling of the other story. If it happened after, it was also a foretelling of the other story. And the fact that, again, she had much more to accomplish and to not just maybe share her experiences with others, but to continue to your point, Scott, maybe connecting with the divine and allowing for that protection and that interaction as it's deemed appropriate. Yeah, thank you for spinning that story. Yes, thank you, Jenny. Please keep them coming. Okay, this next true story we hear, it's a touching story about how we can receive help. Now, um, she is greatly appreciative of the podcast, and we certainly don't mean for this to be promotional for, for that. But if you just look at the when she needed help the most, how she was able to kind of get that help and guidance to help address what she was experiencing. Hi, my name is Danielle, and I am from Denver, Colorado, and I just wanted to let you know that I love your show. I am working my way through all of your episodes right now, but I just wanted to tell you one little story because one night I listened to, I picked one, and I picked it because her name was Heather Nicole or something like that, but my name is Danielle Nicole, and I know your name is Nicole, and when I was listening to her talk, like, everything just totally resonated with me and it really changed my life because I just I'm really confused and I'm not even sure where to start but it really helped me a lot because um, I have had like premonitions and like weird things happen to me my whole life and I didn't really understand it and Actually, I was, I got clean in November, and as soon as I got clean, like, voices in my head, like, just came rushing in, and they've kind of been guiding me, and it's actually my brother, who died when he was little, and, um, I don't know, it just, it's really helped me a lot, and I don't know if there's any way that I could talk with you sometime, or, um, whatever I need to do, but, like, I'm not even sure where to go from here, but like this is the right path because every single episode, it just it astonishes me and I have similar experiences and I, don't, I just think you're amazing. So I am going to keep listening and I just, I love you so much. So thank you. Thank you very much. So for those, I, you know, I want to say, well, first of all, Danielle, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing that. I know that being and telling that whether it's detailed or not is can put you and other people in a vulnerable position to want to share. So I want to say thank you. But also if anyone's struggling and needs additional support, whether that is through your primary care, psychologist, psychiatrist, that sort of thing, to feel free that you reach out. I'm glad that the podcast and the episodes and the topics help people and it resonates. And that's what it's meant to do is to be one of many tools and one of many resources that people could have. But at the end of the day, it's not necessarily the end all be all for anyone outside of the fact that they're currently going to people and practitioners that can help them in more of a medical way, more of a scientific way, then we are also available, whether it's myself, I say we, other practitioners who are on the show to reach out to see how you can help or be helped and directed in your spiritual journey and your spiritual growth. But the reason why we really wanted to share that, as Scott said, is not to be promotional, but just to really let you know that I 
my heart and hope is that you feel a sense of community and that you're feeling supported. End of story. I'm not the only end-all be-all with this, but just that there are resources and help out there for people collectively. And so just want to say thank you for sharing that. So for me, what this symbolizes is and is evidence of the shift that's going on, right? So people are, you know, considering themselves more spiritual than religious. Um, uh, organized religion is is on the downside and most likely will um, continue that way. Uh, people are not going to church as much uh, in, as in the past. So then, the, but the the interest in spirituality is is still there is still strong so here's the answer or here's the question what do i do you know if someone says okay i'm kind of done with with organized religion where do i go and certainly we are one of dozens and dozens of places to go and resources to help understand and navigate and learn about uh, a, new, a deeper spirituality that you might not be aware of. And it may be unsettling, but at the same time, that's what growth is about. It's being a little bit unsure and navigating new ground. And certainly, as uh, Nicole mentioned, if, if things get to be extreme, you need to certainly you know reach out to um, a mental health provider. But beyond that for people looking for resources and directions in their spiritual journey there's lots of uh, resources out there and I certainly encourage you to ask for them in your minds I just put it out there I need help I need mentors I need resources and they will come yes and I'm not you know that when I was saying that it wasn't indicating one way or the other with her I just know in my own journey when I experienced certain things I felt really alone even though my family and my friends were extremely supportive, there were only certain people that understood what I was actually going through and I didn't know how to find them. And especially when it comes to those quote unquote professionals, when it, when we're looking at therapy, psychology, psychiatry, that sort of thing. And so it, there have been several doctors that have been on this show and that are also available in your area and to reach out to, because if you feel like you need that combination, that's exactly what that's meant to be. And for you to know again, that there are those options out there for you. And had I known this like seven years ago, I think I would be in a complete, I mean, not that I'm not in a fantastic place right now. I mean, yes, I struggle on some things. Scott and I have had separate conversations about what it looks like in our spiritual growth. But ultimately, I feel like had I had the information that I'm sharing with you guys, I would be in a much better place than I am now. So I hope you guys take that as, you know, just proactive opportunity and action for your own lives. Okay, now we're moving into the email portion of the episode. So for those who submitted emails, Scott and I are going to read a couple, and I'll take the first one. This story is from Tanya, and I'm going to hopefully pronounce her name correctly, Brolelio or Brolelio. It sounds Italian. Um, And she writes that when I was around 20 to 21 years old, I was going through a dark night of the soul, and I was very down and felt very depressed. I went to bed one night and dreamt of an angel. I was standing in my parents' backyard under the clothesline. I felt warmth around me and turned to look into what I thought was the sun. I heard a high-pitched frequency sound and a giant being appeared in a cream robe and long brown wavy hair. Its face was not visible. It was pure light, like looking into the sun. The angel embraced me, making me feel whole and completely loved. They spoke to me in this high-frequency sound, and I responded, Okay, I understand, then woke up. It has been over 10 years now, and I still remember it vividly and have the longing to feel that warmth again and a sense of home going back to source. 
I'm silent because I want to see what you think first, Scott. Well, the the first thing that popped out to me was the, the idea of the dark night of the soul, you know, and that, and I think it's something to be discussed because it comes up uh, every now and then. The history of the dark night of the soul, it goes back to the Roman Catholic mystic St. John of the Cross in about the 16th century. And when he described that, he was describing it as like a spiritual crisis, intense inner turmoil, existential questions like, who am I? What am I doing here? Uh, an identity crisis, how do I fit in? You feel like a spiritual disconnect and then certainly a ton of introspection and self-reflection going through times like that. A lot of people make the connection to Jesus when he was in the wilderness for 40 days, that that was a dark night of the soul for him and then other other biblical stories as well about that. And I think, and I myself, I know without a doubt, I experience that at, from time. I, get, I just feel disconnected and it's like a reset. It's like everything in my life turns, you know, from color to black and white. And and I do, I say, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? You know, what, why am I here? You know, what am I learning? I'm not, I'm in a journey, but it's not going anywhere. I feel like I'm in a, in a sailboat with no wind you know, type of thing. And through those times though, that's when you dig in and you reevaluate. You, know, you may keep things that are important to you and uh, reconnect with them, or you may discard things that are, you kind of like, like, why am I doing this? You know, why am I, why do I have this relationship uh, with, a, with a friend that uh, is, is very negative and, you know, it draws energy from me? So those types of things can come out of it. And certainly uh, answers to those existential questions and regain a, a connection to God in, in a deeper way. Before I get into the other end of it, have you uh, yourself, and not to get personal, but uh, or people you've worked with run into this type of experience? Well, definitely the people I've worked with, but I would say that the term dark night of the soul, quite frankly, didn't really come into my purview until I had Priya Locke on, which was episode six. And she talked about dark night of the soul. And I was like, what, what is this thing? Because I didn't realize that the, some of the ups and downs, which again, you, you need to be careful when you're looking at your life. There are typical things that are going to happen physically, emotionally, that are normal, that are going to occur in our everyday human experience. And that's not necessarily a spiritual awakening or a dark night of the soul or whatever you want to call it. It just is life that happens. And then there's also these, you know, to kind of quote unquote complicate it a little bit more, you have this layer that comes into that spiritual awakening or dark night of the soul. And I think it's really what, how you quite frankly define it. And for me, I didn't realize that for a long time, Dark Night of the Soul could be a little bit of a buzz in the background, just a low hum of something that's about to happen. And then over time, it ends up happening. And for me, it was some of the sadness, depression, and then ultimately, well, I should say the anxiety that I was experiencing that would then trigger the depression and the sadness that I had in my life. And 
through that, those were the points, you know, where when I hit, and I say points, it was, there's really only one or two in my life that when I hit them, that gave me the largest spiritual growth. The podcast is one of them, a huge outcome of that experience where I didn't know where to go and what to do, but I was feeling this larger calling and this purpose. And I wanted to tap more into the spiritual realm and aspect of who I was. And as a result of expressing that part of my soul and my being, decided to create the podcast and bring on these guests and and share people's stories. So yes, and for every person, I say all that because it could be defined by something that they feel small or large in their life, a divorce, loss of a job. It could be something where you just don't feel on and you feel off and you don't know what's going on, but you're feeling that, that push and that growth. So to that, I say that, you know, really it's up to you to decide. But again, going back to what I feel like part of the theme of this episode is, you have multiple resources and people that can help support you. And also not just here in the here and now, but also your spirit team. Yeah. And then just a fi- final point on this is that, uh, you know, it can be uh, the experience of dark night of the soul can be confused with depression in a sense that, you know, there is a disconnect, a sadness, a, a low mood or emptiness. But uh, behind that is a driving force to look, you know, and to to ask, to pray, to, to meditate, to read, to do something uh, to address that need. Where I think, in my personal opinion, when it goes into depression, you just feel low mood and sadness, uh, hopelessness, and then that's just it. You just don't feel like doing anything, and you don't. Um, and the guidelines pretty much across the board are that if you have those feelings, and then we we uh, want to emphasize this to the listeners today, is that if you do experience sadness, low mood, emptiness, or hopelessness that persists most of the day for at least two weeks, then that gets to be clinical, and you really need to start, you know, connecting with a qualified mental health uh, counselor to address that. Uh, but on the other side, the dark night of soul, I think, is less uh, frequent, you know, maybe a few times a year. And it's and there's, there's a purpose to it. You can kind of feel that. God, I hope not it's a few times a year. <laughs> well, it does to me, to be honest, a couple times a year it happens to me. Absolutely. Really? Oh, God. Well, we need to have a whole nother episode on that. Maybe we literally need to talk about darkness soul in like a separate episode because some people never experience it at all in their life. Some people may have one or two or three. The fact that you have two or three a year, we definitely need to talk about that. <laughs> what? What, you think you're better than me? <laughs> No, no, I know. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No, yeah. No, only because it's all new to me, too. The teacher also becomes a student. But ultimately, I would hope that people don't have to go through it frequently every year. The idea is that when we think about Dark Night of the Soul, these should be bigger moments in your spiritual growth that you're experiencing and pushing through it and healing from it and transmuting and not having to revisit it. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's always new. For me, it's always new. I always gain valuable things. I think you might be thinking Dark Knight of the Soul is something different than it actually is. Oh, 
their spiritual growth and their challenges we experience through our spiritual experiences and everything else. Dark night of the soul tends to be where you're deep in it and you feel like you can't get out. It can be like a feeling of depression and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. What the hell do I do? Pardon my language, but that's it's literally... I'm on my knees, I am praying, I am asking for support. I don't know how to get out of this. That's to me what dark night of the soul is. Whereas we all experience, yes, to your point, multiple times during the year, more of that pushing and that those challenges that interact, but hopefully it's not bringing you to your knees. Hmm. It would be a good episode. <laughs> it was a lot of different perspectives. Okay, Scott. I mean, I didn't realize that this... Okay, so... All right, moving on for sure. All right, so next one. Okay, uh, this is an email from Barbara Linval, and uh, it starts... Uh, eight years ago, my mother was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and given nine to 12 months as a best scenario to live. The night before each of her appointments to see how she progressed, I would pray so hard just for her to have a little more time. Being an only child, I could not accept that she was leaving, even though I was 43 with three kids of my own. But each time we arrived at the hospital for her appointments, I felt like I was being carried in a brilliant golden white cloud. Literally, I felt as if, if I was lifted off the ground in a beautiful bubble of peace and my anxiety would be gone. I would ask all the questions I need to ask and was able to be there fully for my mom. I knew without a doubt that God sent angels to carry me through this. But then it happened. 16 months into her diagnosis, I was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of breast cancer. It was like some sort of a cruel joke. And at the same time, it was at the hospital that I'd been a caregiver for my mom, taking her to all her appointments and her chemo appointments. Now I was the patient. The day before my surgery, I attended mass and gave it all up to God in a way I didn't intend or think possible. I prayed to be here for my children, the greatest gifts to me, who I dedicated my life to and never took for granted. I asked to let, let me finish what I started in raising them. I felt myself overcome with the feeling of surrender. Tears flowed down my face, and I truly felt that if it wasn't his will for me to be okay, then I accept it. Just surrender to it. In the end, I only asked for strength to live or die. When I woke up the next morning, I immediately knew I was once again being carried by many angels. When I arrived at the hospital and checked in, they couldn't believe that I was a patient. Each member I encountered would say, we've never seen someone in your shoes be at peace with what you're going through. And each time I said, I gave it all up to God and he sent me his angels. Some asked to hug me. Some looked at me if I were nuts, but the feeling never faltered. Then one day I woke up and learned my lymph nodes were clear. My mom lived not only to see and help me finish my eighth round of chemo, but an additional five months. And just as I healed, I guess her job, she felt, was done, and she passed away almost 12 months to the day of my diagnosis and 15 months longer than she medically should have. Again, more than just a sign or symbol. Yes, intense, dramatic, but miracle is the word that came to mind. And the power of thought, prayer, intention, but also love, ultimately, which was what I think was the healing part of it for me. 
Well, and the, the feeling that she got, you know, she said she was felt like she was in a bubble, like she was floating almost that intense. We had another woman have a, I was a guest speaker, I guess, was talking about it. Just the feeling, the presence of an angel and experiencing true love was so transformative to her that this, I think, is falls in that ballpark where the feeling of, of angels, of God, of spirit, of unconditional love can do miracles just just because of the feeling itself in, in their presence. So, and uh, it certainly gave her the strength to keep going. Yes, absolutely. And they say mind over matter, but it's not just mind over matter. It goes back to what you're saying. It's the feeling of it. If you feel it, then it's going to transform and be a part of that. So I think that's extremely powerful in so many ways for her. And I'm glad that she's healthy and that, you know, sorry to hear about her mom and everything else that goes through it. But also at the same time that she had this miraculous experience from start to finish and she's over that finish line to be able to also share that with the world. Yep. Okay. Next up. Okay. Well, the next one. Yeah. So the next one is Tiana Lanita. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly as well. But she writes that my first spiritual experience was very overwhelming. I had a strong feeling one day to go to the Guardara, which is an Indian Dharmic temple. I really had these types of feelings, but this one was so strong that I thought I should follow. I sat for a while, said my prayers, and just listened to the prayers as I normally do when I go. The Guardara I went to was small, and I was the only one there at the time. And after a while, I felt someone sitting behind me, but remarkably close. There was no one else there, but the feeling I had was like someone was right there behind me. The year before, my nan passed away in India, and I was close with her. The person sitting by me was her. I felt her presence. The way she sat curled up was exactly what I felt next to me. It was very overwhelming, and I got scared. I didn't know how to deal with it. Was I going crazy? Did I miss her that much that I was just imagining it? I ran to the car and cried. That first experience was so overwhelming and scary that I spoke to a close friend of mine who is in tune with the spiritual world. She calmed me down and assured me that it was real and that I shouldn't be scared and that it's a blessing that she is trying to communicate with me. It took me a while to accept to not be scared of the feeling that I was constantly having. I am still new trying to connect and become more intuitive. This is a journey and I'm looking forward to it and becoming more and more in tune with it. For me, learning to accept that you have a gift is the hardest step of the journey. So would you say that learning to accept it is the hardest step to the journey? I guess depending on where you are in the journey, that can be the hardest step. Yeah, because I mean... You know, since I'm relatively new to this aspect of of spiritual experience, there's a tendency to not accept it, to just say, no, uh, this, it, you know, I'm crazy. Uh, it's just a flirting idea. Yeah. When I first connected with my childhood uh, coach and teacher, it freaked me out. And it still does in a way, to be honest, because it's so real. Um, it, but when I had, you know, I was remembering, uh, you know, things that we did, like we, he took us all on, on bike trips in the summer and classes and he's my wrestling coach. And I'm, I'm thinking of those memories. All of a sudden, he, it's like he turns his head to me and starts speaking to me. And then we're involved and like, it's a, it freaks out and kind of like this woman where she was afraid, you know, that it was her mother, right? No, her nan, her grandma, which I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Her nan. Yeah. That, you know, when she thought he was afraid, uh, she was afraid and her, luckily she got some help to say, no, it's okay. You know, you don't have to be afraid just to accept it. 
so that was that was kind of my take on that. Yeah, well, it can be overwhelming because, you know, for a couple of things also stand out in this in that when you when we're in grief and we have sadness, it can be extremely hard for the other side to connect with us because it tends to be a valve that shuts off. Mm. You know, think about it as water flowing and plumbing going through your faucet. So if your faucet's not turned on, grief is the 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 thing that shuts your faucet off. So the fact that she was still grieving, but she felt the strong urge and need to go to some a place that had probably a lot more grounding energy around that's allowing her to connect and channel number one. Number two would also be that then as she's sitting there, I think what probably freaked her out is that she had not ever really felt a, a presence around her. Maybe she had, but didn't stand out to her to that extent. And so when she did, it's think, you know, in my mind, it'd be like, oh my gosh, it's literally like she's sitting next to me or standing next to me and she's not physically here. What's going on? And that can be very jarring. And that experience as a whole just can shake you. And yes, there are some people or schools of thought that are, you want it so much that it's, you just are imagining your experience it. But I will say this, I had, I know it's just a dog or I say just a dog in air quotes, but when my dog Pomeranian had passed from having him from a little baby all the way up until, you know, 12 years of age, when he passed, he told me as he was sitting on my chest, I remember hearing him say, I'm always going to be with you. It's okay. And he said, just remember this feeling. And I remembered him laying on my chest. Now I said Pomeranian just to give people an example of how small he was. And to this day, sometimes I feel this pressure on my chest and not pressure like as in a sadness, but a physical pressure, almost like a comforting hug because he's there. And so these souls, these beings, when they cross over, do give us that comfort in knowing that while we can't see them or experience them physically, we're seeing them and experiencing them energetically and emotionally. And I think that that's a beautiful metaphor gift experience that she had. And I would, you know, yes, we all have the opportunity to, to do it, but she probably had these experiences until this time. This was just the catalyst that kind of pushed her into the the knowing and to experience that with her nan in particular. Hmm. And and I don't mean to harp on this too much, but to me, attachment style comes into play. The psychological attachment style, secure, you know, how are you with people and new things? Are you secure? Are you anxious? Are you avoiding, you know, and um not proud to say, but, you know, I'm kind of on the anxious to avoidance side of it. And, you know, so I keep things at arm's length until I get really, really comfortable. And so that can be a part of it. And then just realizing who you are, you know, just to say, okay, if I see someone that I know in a spirit, whatever, my first reaction may be to say like, no, <laughs> stay away from me. <laughs> but you can, once you, you know, certainly are aware of that and you want to go beyond that and deepen that relationship and that experience, I believe you can certainly ask for that and, and it will happen. But, but your first uh, gut reaction is, uh, is probably a programmed reaction from your life. You know, how you grew up, you know, you know, relationship with your parents and friends and family, but we can always grow through those things. So question on that. If you had had those psychic type of experiences when you were younger, taking into account your avoidant attachment whatever that was that you said, would you be more open if you had had them when you were younger 
No, I don't think so. I, I, I was too much in defense mode in a way due to my family environment and what was going on. I think I was pretty much always had a very thick wall around me to survive, you know, in what I could figure was survive emotionally. So, well, I mean, if you take that away, I guess what, what I'm trying to say is I associate with what you're saying in my life, not to take go off on too much of a tangent, but like I see, I would, I want to avoid, I want to detach, I want to have all those other things. But because I was more open spiritually and I was okay and comfortable, it still was uncomfortable, but I agree with me. So I guess that's what I was asking is, would it have made any difference or not? Oh, yeah, I think it would make a huge difference. Uh, absolutely. You know, if I could learn to trust people and I had a solid relationship with my parents and could trust them emotionally and, you know, Again, we're not getting into too much, but but yeah, if I could have that, yeah, then absolutely. You're open to new things. You're open to sharing yourself, being vulnerable. This woman here, she sees her nan, she feels her nan behind her. If she, you know, was totally comfortable with that throughout her whole life, probably she would be accepting of her now. Yeah, I think that's just something to keep in mind when people, when, when those of us, you know, all of us, when we grow in our spiritual journey, experience new things, keep that in mind. How do I normally, you know, uh, react to new things and new people, personality situations? Um, and then uh, once you're aware of that, wherever you are in that continuum, uh, that's uh, helpful for you to be aware of so that you can grow. You know, and say, I'm going to react differently this time. I'm going to be more vulnerable, even though I don't trust this person yet or this experience or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. I'm at least open. That's great insight and great advice. All right. Well, everyone, please share your story. It can be spiritual in nature, about angels, or whatever you feel led to talk about. You can also do so via the website at psychicstory.com forward slash story dash submission. You can also send an email to contact at psychicstory.com or leave a voicemail at 1-800-880-1881. As Scott and I have mentioned before, there's a 10-minute limit available on voicemail. So if you run over, you can call back to finish your message. And you can email that if you're international audio. You can record on a phone or other platform and send it to us at the email address provided. Feel free to submit any questions you have as well. Your question or story could possibly be included in a future listener stories episode. Just note that when submitting, you're automatically giving a Psychic Story podcast permission to share it with its listeners. Yeah, and... We are very excited because our book is coming even closer to being launched. Um, stay tuned for announcements of a uh, pre-order uh, stage coming up. Uh, the book is Looking for Angels, a guide to understanding and connecting with angels. Uh, to, gain, to get updates, uh, certainly listen to the, uh, the uh, podcast or you can go to lookingforangelsbook.com and sign up to be alerted when it's available to pre-order or to order. Yes. Thank everyone again for listening and see you back here next time. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at apsychicstory.com or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. 
And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychicstory.com when you do, because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win. 